0: If you can swing on him and kill him down there, do it.
1: guys welcome to the J Scott Outdoors podcast this is going to be a great three part series on elk calling with Steve Chapel of Chapel Guide Service and Chapel Hunting Productions Steve is probably the best all around elk caller that I know and he does a phenomenal job in this three part series going through the different sounds that he makes we're going to cover mouth calling with diaphragms. We're going to call uh, cover external reed uh, calling with uh, his trophy wife and matriarch, uh, cow Cal calls, external reed calls, and we're going to cover bugling. And he's going to demonstrate all of the calls, and we're going to talk about specifics and things that he's doing with his lips, with his mouth, with his tongue, uh, and, and how he's making these calls and the thought process he uses. Uh, so this is going to be an unbelievable three-part series. I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, you hear at the beginning of this podcast some uh, bugling frenzy, just chaotic uh, cow calling and bugling and, and chaos. This is from one of Steve's hunts uh, off of his Extreme Bulls 8 Uh, DVDs, and uh, you can go on his website, chapelguideservice.com, and order the DVDs uh, right off of his website. You can also order all of the calls that we'll be talking about uh, directly off of his website, chapelguideservice.com. I want to thank him for spending a good couple of hours here with us um, explaining exactly how he makes some of these sounds. I know you guys are going to love it. And uh, it's just going to be awesome. I want to remind you guys, uh, we've got GoHunt.com Insider as the title sponsor of this podcast. If you're not an Insider member, you can go to GoHunt.com Insider, click on the blue Join Now button, you can get a $50 Kuyu gift card right away for signing up or a $50 Sportsman's Warehouse gift card right away for signing up. Uh, so i want to encourage you to do that also the outdoorsman's in phoenix the optics authority is uh, uh, if you use the j scott promo code you get a 10 percent discount at everything there at the outdoorsman's uh real game calls uh the elk reel uh, if, uh 50 or 60 people have contacted me telling me how much uh, they've just absolutely loved the call they're excited to use it this elk season uh, and you use uh, the J Scott promo code, you get a twenty percent discount on all calls over at uh, the ElkReel.com or RealGameCalls.com. And then, of course, PhoneScope. If you use J Scott sixteen uh, at PhoneScope, you get a ten percent discount uh, of all products at PhoneScope. So, guys, I want to uh, thank you for listening to this podcast, and I would. I uh, highly encourage you to support the sponsors that support this podcast and make it possible. I know a lot of you do. I get emails every day from from listeners saying, uh, telling me about the different products that they've bought from these sponsors and uh, how much they're enjoying them. And I uh, just thank you for all the positive comments. Uh, if you haven't, please go on iTunes and uh, leave a, a, a honest rating uh, and review uh, those help my placement on itunes and uh we're just uh, finished Uh, august was the biggest download month i've I've had in the history of the j scott outdoors podcast and that is only possible from you guys the great overpouring outpouring of support that i get uh from you guys i want to hear about your hunting excursions this fall uh if you're on instagram you can tag me um uh, J. Scott Outdoors or J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Uh, and I just uh, appreciate you guys so much. And I look forward to sharing uh, my hunts with you this fall and all the encounters that I have. So let's have a great fall 2016 season. Uh, let's give it 110% effort. And uh, uh, just thanks for all the support. Let's get right to this three-part series with Steve Chapel of Chapel Guide Service. Okay, Steve, um, you've blown the trophy wife. You've blown the matriarch. Um, I I do want to mention something here. Um, I'm kind of the type of of, I guess it's just my personality. If I find some calls I like, I've got to have kind of a handful of them, <laughs> and right. I feel like you talk about your sweetie. I kind of have my sweetie too, but sometimes the sweetie changes, and uh-huh. <laughs> I have. I found where if I have four or five different calls, you know, four or five matriarchs, four or five trophy wives, that they all, even though quality control and they're the same call and they sound good, sometimes they sound one will sound a little better than the other, and then you may go another week and it's been in your pocket or whatever, and you pull it out and you're all of a sudden. Bam, you're,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: just sweet, right. sweet, sweet. And you're like, oh, now this is my sweet. Absolutely. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, having more weapons or, you know, more clubs in your bag or whatever you want to call it? Um, while I feel like, you know, I could tell someone, go get a trophy wife and just have one call and they're going to do great, do you also have kind of a, you know, a, a, A starting lineup, a backup lineup, and then, you know, some that are sitting there
0: waiting to get in the lineup. (laughs) Exactly. The bench warmers. (laughs) I I, I do. I'm guilty of that. Um, Because, like you said, every call is supposed to be the same, but there can just be tiny little subtle differences. It can even be down to, like, the castration band on the call, which on the matriarch and the trophy wife is that green band around the call. I find that when it gets to a certain point of being, you know, around the call and stretched out and, you know, in the heat or whatever or whatnot, it will get to a perfect sweetness at some point. But then after a while, just like a mouth diaphragm will do the same thing, it will get beyond that, and it it won't break as easily as the way I like to say it. In other words, it won't blow as easily for you. And sometimes it can be just as simple as putting on a new castration band. Or maybe just moving the castration band that you have on the call, an eighth of an inch, a sixteenth of an inch. Another thing um, that people can see on my YouTube videos is you can actually twist the barrel off the call and take the call apart. You don't have to take the call apart. Just twist the barrel off, and then you can move the mylar reed to shorten it or lengthen it. And Again, I demonstrate that on the YouTube videos so people can see that. And that makes a difference in the tone, not only the tonal quality in the the pitch of the call, but it also um, changes how the call breaks and how easy it is to blow. And I found that each call has a sweet spot. And if you have a call that you're struggling a little bit with, that would be my recommendation is just to experiment a little bit with that. You know, maybe shortening the read up by you know, even just a 30 second or an eighth of an inch can make all the difference in in the call. So um, that's what I do with my calls to try to get them in that, in that sweet spot. And I'm like you, it can vary from day to day, week to week. Um, I can have calls sitting there that I think, you know, hey, this call isn't sounding as as good as my sweetie right now. And then all of a sudden, just like this year, I picked up a matriarch that I've never used in the woods up to this point. And right now it's my go-to call.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know, you know, obviously we're going to talk about mouth calls and latex next. um And and we know that the latex can change and, you know, stuff, you know, the calls that are bench warmers and have been bench warmers for a year. Yeah. All of a sudden you pull out and man, just something with the latex, the way it's broke down or what have you, it's just sounding awesome. But, you know, I'm not convinced, I'm still not convinced that something about maybe um just the way that the, the mylar settles in, the way the castration ban settles in that sometimes one call or another can all of a sudden just get that right sweet spot and you're right on. Um, So, I mean, that's a great tip uh, for guys to mess a little bit. If they've got a call, you know, one of these matriarch or one of these uh, uh, trophy wife or another external for that matter. Absolutely. If, If you can mess with uh you know that mylar and mess with the castration band a little bit don 't throw the call away because you you know you might be able to mess with it and bring it back to life uh, a kind of a funny story last um year in Unit nine that trophy wife was just singing like a little canary and <laughs> one day uh I just went to blow it and it went <laughs> and I you know like a parrot, parrot that day, <laughs> day. I, yeah, I got a client and i 'm like and. Rah! I'm like, oh gosh! I put the you know, put the little sweetie in my pocket. Yeah. And dug out another call, and I came back to camp, and I said to Chris, I said, I don't know what happened. He said, what? I said, I went to blow on my trophy wife, and it just sounded like a squawk. Yeah, and it it wasn't, it probably wasn't as bad as I was making it out, but I knew it wasn't right. Yeah, you know, you know that feeling when you blow, and it's like something
0: ain't right. Oh, it rips your confidence away too. It just oh. shakes your foundation. In your- <laughs> so Chris says, let me see it. And I hand it to him and he goes, good gracious.
1: He goes, well, no wonder. And I go, what? And he goes, look how dirty it is. <laughs> and I looked at it and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it looked like I'd been rolling around in a campfire. <laughs> so he pulls the castration band off, goes over and totally soaks it in the water, like turns the faucet on and is washing it out. And he's like, "You're," he's looking at me like, you're an idiot. And. He's shaking it kind of, and then he runs it through the water, and then he puts the castration, and he goes, don't touch it. Yeah. And he sets it on the table and says, let it dry. Yeah, you caveman, stay away from it. (laughs) Yeah, caveman, stay, you know, it's like, you idiot, all you had to do was wash it. So he washed it, and it, you know, went back to singing like a canary, just sounding like just beautiful. So can you talk a little bit about your calls ever get dirty, and do you wash them like that?
0: Yeah, it, yeah, I do because I carry them around in my truck, so I can blow on them anytime I'm driving, and it's convenient because that's where I get most of my practice is is in my truck versus in the house because I don't get away with that a lot being a married guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I I do. I definitely number one, I just blow the dust off of them with with my my breath, and then also, yeah, like you like you say with Chris, you know, occasionally if if they get dirty on me, I will. I'll I'll, I'll rinse them off in the faucet and get them super clean and. And and then let them dry out. That's the key because if there's any bit of moisture between the mylar reed and the soundboard, you're going to have sticking problems. And going, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's talk
1: about sticking problems and and what you know some of the things that cause sticking problems and what you do to eliminate sticking
0: problems. Yeah, I think just the way we hunt and the fact that it's cool in the mornings you know it can be in the 30s and 40s in Arizona and you're going out there and you're blowing your warm breath on the call your body temperature on the call it just naturally is gonna tend to condensate but there's some things that you can do number one like I was talking about earlier you wanna get your air from deep down in your stomach that's where you wanna originate it from so that needs to be your mindset versus just huffing air through your mouth. If you just huff air through your mouth, number one, you're not going to get the good, sweet, controlled sounds that you want. But then you're also going to get a lot of saliva. You're going to blow saliva, boom, right underneath that reed. It's going to go right between the reed and the soundboard, and it's going to start sticking on you right when you need it to to blow the most. You know, another thing that I'll do is I'll, I'll where, you know, obviously I'm wearing a couple, three layers in the mornings or even in the evening, I'll wear a couple of layers. And I always, this is a habit of mine. I always keep that call under a layer next to my body to keep it warmer. That's especially important in the morning because if you have that call out in the open air and it's, you know, 40 degrees and then you start blowing on it, it's going to condensate on you a lot quicker. And then beyond that, as I'm blowing it, if I start getting some condensation underneath it, what I'll do is I'll roll the castration band out toward in toward the barrel of the call. In other words, to get it as far out on the soundboard as I can. And then I'll just take, you know, my shirt tail and be real gentle with it and get it between the mylar reed and the soundboard and get rid of that dampness, that condensation. And then I'll roll my castration band back into position. And generally that will fix the call. Don't you think that's also a good idea? And, and obviously Steve sells
1: calls. He's, you know, he makes a profit on his calls and we're not, you know, we're here to help. And, and you know, I, I'm not trying to make a sales pitch here, but don't you think that's also a reason to have two or three or four starting lineup external calls that, it, you know, one, you know, gets all wet and you're right in the middle of calling a bull. You can immediately switch over to your second sweetie and be running down the road. I mean, I know you, you, you you have multiple
0: calls at all times for that reason. Absolutely. And that is the best reason, just what you alluded to, Jay, that, that condensation, because it always seems to happen at the worst time, you know, when that bull's 80, 100 yards away and he's just about to make that last commitment and you need to blow that last sweet call and your sweetie is condensated. Yeah, if you have that backup call that you've got in your in your pocket, keeping it warm and at the ready... That can make all the difference. And again, you know, like you said, we're just we're, you and I. We're just trying to help people out right now with some tips and some some tricks that we use. Um, you know, not trying to convince people to buy extra calls by any means, but it can definitely make the difference in your hunt if you've got that backup call to go to. For sure. And when you say you're you're carrying the call at least under
1: one layer next to your skin, you're talking about the lanyard that goes around the call. Maybe on your shirt so that it's um, right, you know, if you're wearing a couple layers, you're inside, your, you know, a couple of your shirts next, not next to your skin, but there's there's one layer and it's, it's going to be close to your skin, but then there'll be shirt layers over the top of that. So it's almost like it's body temperature. Exactly. Um, not if you just let it hang around your neck, it's going to be cold. So then when you blow hot air through it, it's going to immediately condensate.
0: Yeah, and you just reminded me of something. You're exactly right. I don't put it next to my skin. I put it between my first layer and second layer, and then whatever layers I have over top of that. Um, So that's where I carry the call. Um, Also keeping it warm and up to temperature not only alleviates the condensation problem, it makes the call sound sweeter because that reed is warmer, and it gives it a different... I, I don't know how how to say it other than it's going to vibrate and sound different when it's warmer versus cold and brittle. And I also think when it's
1: warmer, it's more forgiving. Meaning, yes. when it's cold, it sticks and 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 you have to be. It, it's I don't know how to explain it, but when that reed is warm, it's more forgiving and it makes a sweeter sound. Period. That's it. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay, Steve. Um. Why don't you go through, blow blow the trophy wife and matriarch a little bit more for us and maybe kind of go through maybe some sequencing or maybe just kind of blow it so we can hear it. Um, and then can you demonstrate what you hear other people doing that you think is a mistake? You've already touched on the double clutch, you know, the double call. Yeah. But I want you to demonstrate kind of that harshness, that kind of, um,
0: you know what I'm talking about. Okay, let me try to do that. It's a little hard because that's not how I blow the call. But let me try to make it sound a little harsh and brash right now. This is what you're not looking for. Something like that. And then when you use your lips and really control your air pressure, this is more what you're looking for.
1: what i what I hear in that is that the the call that you're not looking for has a very dramatic change in tone. The call you're looking for is more of that drawn out, steady tonal quality. Does that make sense? Steve? Yeah,
0: completely, like you say, anything that's dramatic and harsh. Is is in my mind not what a bull wants to hear. It's it's gonna like shock him. And
1: it's it's you know, some people will listen to this and say, Oh, I hear cows doing that harshness all the time. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I've been in the woods enough with Steve watching him call elk and been able to take those sweet tonal quality sounds and put it in my calling and seen success with my calling that I can directly say that that sweet, tonal, kind of mellow tone from the time he makes a sound to the time he ends a sound makes a difference.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree, agree with that completely. And so much of it, I think, in calling it is your mindset and your confidence. And every year, that's my biggest thing, going out there and having, having that right frame of mind and having that confidence, and it's funny how just little things like you were talking about that, that trophy wife, you know, getting dirty and sounding weird, it can shake your confidence for, you know, a day or more sometimes if something like that happens. Um, so, so, yeah, confidence in your mindset is everything, and you just want to think about that mellow, sexy, sweet, you know, I want to love you, come in here, this is, this is where you want to be, Mr. Mister Big Bull,
1: Maybe that call, you should color it pink. (laughs) Getting a pink camouflage, right? (laughs) Um, Steve, talk about um, being spot on with your first call right out of the gate and how important it is when you have finally snuck into that distance and you have got to be what we call, you and I, you know, call spot on. How do you initially... You know, so many people make that first call and it's a squawk. How do you calm yourself and what do you do with your lips to make your first call spot on? Yeah,
0: and that's a great point, Jay. And I heard you touching on, I don't know if we talked about it on a podcast or I heard you talking about it. I'm going to, you know, I'm not just going to clamp my lips down and immediately blow the call. I'm going to test it out a little bit as far as my lip placement. You know and I'm gonna uh, kind of uh, I don't know I don't know what you call it but I call it maybe tap dancing a little bit on the on the soundboard right. well it's it's for me it's like um do you
1: remember well you don't follow golf I don't think yeah. but a few years back Sergio Garcia was doing his waggling yeah you know before he hit and he would almost and then he got to where he was it's just part of his routine but it, it got in his mind where he was waggling too much. I find myself actually lip checking and yeah. and what did you what did you just call it? Oh, I it?
0: said tap dancing for lack of like, a better term, but lip yeah, I mean, is a good term too.
1: Lip checking. I find myself lip checking and if, if people want it, they can go on any of my outcalling videos and you'll see me constantly checking, lip checking and and trying to make sure I'm in that. Steve talked about that sweet spot. I'm constantly lip checking, trying to make sure that I'm, you know, I, I kind of put my lips on and I'm testing that pressure, testing the way that mylar. I'm trying to get that contact there with my lips. Um, yes. and and I think that's key to being spot on with that first call. Exact placement on
0: your external open call open read call is important. Absolutely. You just made me think of another thing too, Jay. This may sound real picky and almost sissy, maybe, but your lips are so important that you need to, when you're out there hunting, you need to take care of your lips as well. And I'm sure you would agree with this, Jay. If you get dry, chapped lips, you cannot blow an open reed call well. So I always have, <laughs> again, this is going to make me sound like a pansy, but I always have, you know, some type of lip product, you know, like Dead Down Wind has... Chapstick, you know, scentless chapstick. I, I mean, I've even been guilty of using chapstick myself. Uh, I'm a
1: chapstick, yeah. You know, t- 365 days a year, I usually have two things of chapstick in my pocket because I freak out if I lose one, and I never want to go without my chapstick. But it's a great point. If your lips are chapped and dry, you, yeah. you can blow an external read call, but you can't feel that mylar, and and I want. I want you to talk about when you're blowing your call, your upper lip is actually tight, but you are managing the vibration of that mylar reed and your lips cannot be dry and chapped and feel that vibration because what you're really doing with your lip pressure is you're managing that vibration, right? Exactly.
0: And I'm... I'm basically rolling my lips top and bottom around my teeth. I'm not just putting them straight down on the call with my lips sticking out, so to speak, I'm rolling them around my lips and that, and that tightens them up and it gives you that just, just right pressure and just that supple feel that you need to get that right sound out of the call. So, you know, managing and taking care of your lips is very important. And then next, like we've been talking about, is just your, your your emotion control and your and your mindset. And I try when I practice, I try to put myself in the game, so to speak. So when I'm blowing the call in my truck, I try to mentally take myself to the woods and say, okay, this is there's an elk in front of me right now, and this call matters. How this first call comes out matters. Just like when I'm shooting my bow, I'll try to think. This first shot out of my bow is the shot I'm taking out of bull to fill my tag this year. I try to take the same approach with my calling and not just squawk away when I'm practicing, but really make it meaningful. And then I think what that allows you to do is when you get out there in the elk woods is, I think I mentioned this on another podcast of yours, you can take yourself back to that place. You can take yourself back to being in your truck and that meaningful practice that you had and put yourself back there in your happy spot so to speak in your comfort zone and that helps you so much emotionally when you're out there to be able to to control your emotions because that's huge in getting that first call to sound to come out and sound right
1: yeah let's let's hear you do some calls now okay.
0: Yeah, and even here talking to you, Jay, I have to kind of take a deep breath when I go to call because I go from talking and being kind of amped up to having to just mentally mellow myself out a little bit. Are you almost, I mean, I know I do because I
1: learned it from you, you almost like take a deep breath and you almost like try and slow your heart rate down. Does that... I know people are going to listen and go, they're getting way deep in this, but this is the reality of what I've learned watching you is you, even though the intensity level is really high, you almost – the look on your face – everything about your body language is you have to almost like mellow
0: everything out to get that really good tonal quality. I absolutely agree with that 100%. Like I said, even just talking with you here, I have to change my mindset to kind of slow myself down, slow my heart rate down, slow my breathing down. I'll do the same thing in the Elkwoods. And I think honestly, that's the big difference between being a good successful cow caller and a good bugler because by contrast bugling you're out there you're you're fighting that bull and you have that mean angry mindset that that you know you're you're mad at that bull you're hating him you're you're calling him every name in the book so to speak whereas with the cow call it's the complete opposite so it's a completely different mindset when you're doing that for sure and steve let's take a quick break here you bet
1: Gohunt.com Insider is by far the most valuable tool a western hunter could give themselves. Gohunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for western hunting for a lot of reasons. Gohunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0 you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code JSCOTT, at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to gohunt.com forward slash insider and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. Real Game Calls featuring the Elk Reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReal.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.elkreal.com. Steve, do you have a mic or a headset on? I don't. Would you do me a favor and is it possible to stand a little bit away from your mic and just do a little bit of calling too? And I just want to see if getting away from the mic, just it sounds great, but I just want to hear it. I just want to give an example to the listeners that if you stand a little bit further away, uh, how it sounds different.
0: Okay. I'll do that right now, Jay. Okay. That sound a little different.
1: That sounds really good. Um, yeah, it just sound it it once you got away from the microphone a little bit, it captured a little bit more of that you know mellow, sweeter tonal quality sound. Just because you know how microphones yeah. screw everything thing up, even on a camera when we're filming and calling elk and stuff. Exactly. You know if 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 you're if you're running the camera and calling, it doesn't sound as good as if someone else is running the camera and you're ten or fifteen yards back. No doubt. Um, I want to talk about, while we're at it, I want to talk about the glove, and I hate to give away uh, a double top secret, but tell me about the glove and why the glove and why your hand placement is so important on an external read call.
0: That's crazy, <laughs> because I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> I, know. I figured it? you were. <laughs> you do. Yeah, that is That is top secret. So we're really giving it away to the listeners today. I like to wear a thin set of cotton gloves when I call, not necessarily to keep my hands warm, but it's for the the tonal quality that you get out of the call. I believe it just softens it up a little bit, dampens it just the right amount. Not necessarily muffles it, but just dampens it just a, a tiny bit. And these gloves that I have on, yeah, they're just a thin pair of cotton gloves and they have that, um, you know, on the palm and the fingers where you're going to be gripping the call. They've got those dots for gripping versus the just the cotton because the cotton can be just slippery. I'm sure what pe- people know what I mean by those dots. Do you know what I'm talking about, yeah. Jay? The,
1: yeah, the little rubberized yeah. kind of dots that just give you a little
0: bit more grip. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a big top secret for me. And then also how I'm gripping the call is I'm I'm taking and I'm putting the barrel between my thumb and my forefinger. I'm actually encircling the call with my thumb and my forefinger. And then I'm most of the time I'm keeping my lower three fingers down to my pinky open and blowing the call like this. it gives it that sound. The only thing that I'll typically do to vary it is I, I'll, I'll bring my pinky and my second finger down over the barrel. I won't totally choke it, but I'll just deflect the sound a little bit and it gives it a little different tonal quality and a little different volume and I think that that helps and it's like this. I'll, I'll kind of do a sequence on how I do it first with you know my, my three fingers open and then I'll deflect the sound by bringing my pinky and second finger down over the end of the barrel just to show what yep. it sounds like.
1: <coughs> yeah, just something like that. It to me it dampens it. Yeah. I think that's a great word that you used, and I think it it's part of that sweet tonal quality that you're able to get. I don't think there's any coincidence that. You know, wearing a glove and the way you hold it, I would also like you to. So, in other words, you're holding it. If someone's looking at their hand and they can go on Steve, you can go on Steve's uh, YouTube channel to to see exactly how he holds it. But if you were to give the A OK signal, like the the OK signal, that's in essence how the thumb and the forefinger are around the barrel of the call. But I'm going to say you're probably making a little bit more of a circle with your forefinger um, so it's totally around the barrel. And then almost like your three fingers are kind of sticking up just a little bit. And when Steve's talking about his pinky and his his ring finger, um, he sometimes will cup that down just a smidge, not actually over the call, but just so that the sound coming out of the barrel – hits those fingers and
0: it dampens it just a touch. Is that a good explanation? Exactly, that's perfect. Yeah, you hit it hit it perfectly. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> and, and Steve,
1: how tight are you squeezing and does your uh, hand pressure, making the AOK signal around the barrel, does it ever get tighter or looser? Or do you typically, I'm gonna guess you have a fairly loose
0: grip on it? Exactly. Yeah, I keep a, a fairly loose grip, just enough of a grip that the call doesn't fall out of my, fall down on on the ground or you know off on the lanyard, and I think that that goes back to just my mindset of being relaxed. I feel like if I keep my hand relaxed, my grip is relaxed. It just goes right along with how I want to blow the call, nice and mellow and relaxed. I feel like if I tighten up and choke the call with my hands, that's going to tend to translate into how I'm blowing the call. And Steve, I see
1: people blowing with their hand uh, more in a fist shape. Can you blow that call and make try and make that sound that you you know what I'm talking about? Where you see it, people blow a closed hand call and just show people the difference. So maybe blow like three or four notes with a closed hand and
0: then go back to your grip. Okay. You bet. I'll, I'll do it with the closed hand first. Okay.
2: <coughs>
0: okay. And then I'll do it open. <coughs> yeah. I think what you do in effect by choking the call down is you take that Pizzazz away from it and that little bit of excitement in the emotional aspect of the call like over choking it for sure for sure um, how much do you
1: we're gonna talk about mouth calls next but how much do you rely on your external compared to your mouth call if you had to say for a whole season you know fifty percent with one 30% with one, which which do you tend to lean on more with
0: your cow calling, a, external or mouth? That's a good question. And it does honestly vary from year to year. Um, I'm probably the most sensitive with my mouth reads as far as my confidence level goes. And when I'm lacking a little confidence, I t- tend to lean more on open read calls. So I would say probably easily 60-70% of the time I'm using an open read and, and they are extremely effective. Um so yeah, I would say I'm probably using the diaphragm, you know, maybe roughly 30% of the time. Okay. So the open okay. reads are probably my go-to call, I would say overall, especially if you take into account all the years I've been calling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, do you feel like we've covered Is there anything else that we need to cover on externals
0: that I didn't ask you uh, boy i don't I don't think so Jay We're not keeping any okay. secrets in the bag today I we mean, the glove even came exactly.
2: out. <laughs> 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 this okay. is
0: op this is
1: open kimono day <laughs> um let's move on to mouth calls and um. Mouth calls is an is a real interesting topic because they you know mouth calls can be so finicky, and everybody's mouth is shaped differently. I feel like if people can master the external read call, you know, it, you know, if if I was st- if someone was starting out and they said which one should I master first, I'd tell them to master the external read call personally, um, and. Uh, you know, the mouth call, in my mind's going to take quite a bit more time. Uh, let's dive into the mouth call here. Uh, specifically, let's talk about mouth calling, uh, cow calls. Um, you make three calls. The uh, closer, which is the red uh, read uh, or, or red call, the challenge uh, mouth call, which is the blue read, and the estrus excited, which is the orange Uh, diaphragm or orange, orange reed. Talk a little bit about your style of mouth calling and kind of how it's progressed over the years.
0: Okay. You bet. Yeah. I I started out using the typical classic, you know, original style calls, which did not have that palette plate, which came out, I believe in about the mid nineties. And Rocky Jacobson was actually the one that invented the idea of that pallet plate. And then uh, Primo's bought the patent rights and you know started out manufacturing those. And I think that's where you and I first really started and got into elk calling. I think my very first mouth diaphragm was actually a Larry D. Jones. But then when you and I met, you gave me one of those Primo's pallet plates. And I just fell in love with that right away. So,
1: And actually, I think for the
0: record, I
1: believe it was a black... Yeah. Primos palette plate single. century plate. I forget. Sentry plate, yep. okay. Black. Yep. Um, and for the record, I think it was actually used when I gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. We, we must have been good friends right off the bat, right? But as soon as you put it in, you were like, where did you get this? Yeah. <laughs> it, it just make, to me, that palette plate m- makes such a huge difference in the consistency of the call, the ease of getting, you know, being able to use light air pressure to get sounds out of it. Um, just, just technically it was a huge breakthrough in mouth diaphragm calls. So I knew, you know, back then I had no intention of ever, you know, making elk calls, but you know, when I, when I got into that position to work with Rocky on these, there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to incorporate that pallet plate design into these calls. Um, you know, each one of them is a little bit different. If I had to say, I probably lean more on that orange estrus excited read the most because I'm a cow caller. Um, I do really love the red and the blue for bugling. Um, those are the, those are more built for bugling. The red call actually is is kind of a hybrid double read. It's got a full single read and then it's got a cut on the second read. And it makes the call just a little more durable um, for the abuse of bugling. And then you can even use it for aggressive cow calling as well, once it breaks in a little bit. Steve, I
1: remember back in the day, and this is going way back when Primos was sending you and I boxes, literally, you know, hundreds of calls and diaphragms and mouth calls to mess with and try what you know, try out and give feedback and um you know, you were on the Primos Pro staff, I believe, at the time. And right. um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that I remember you taking surgical scissors on a double reed pallet plate or whatever Primos called it, um, the patent that they had bought from Rocky, and I remember you cutting that V cut and cutting those flaps off, and I remember you saying, What do you think about this? And I believe you cut me a handful of them, and that was the start of I believe the hyper
0: the hyperplate
1: hyper place hyper yes. with Primos, which was the blue diaphragm. And to me, what do you you know? I blow a single pretty much now, mostly. Um, what do you think that that double read? uh does as far as you did a diamond cut and that double reed does as opposed to a single latex
0: what's the difference yeah you know when it's a full double it's
1: i have known the owners of the outdoorsman's in phoenix for over 20 years they are the authority on optics and hunting gear outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high quality tripods mounting accessories and pack systems for all hunters Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. Phonescope is a company that makes custom molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a hundred percent money back guarantee. Get yours now by using the J Scott 16 promo code and receive ten percent discount on all purchases. Check them out at PhoneScope. That's p h o n e s k o p e dot com or on Instagram at PhoneScope.
0: So I knew right away, blowing on that call, that that's not the sound that I wanted. And I didn't want to have to put that much air pressure on a call.
1: We're um, talking about uh, single and double and maybe the differences there.
0: Yeah, on that that double read that I initially tried, which was a prototype, I just found right away that it just took a lot of air pressure. It kind of reminded me more of those wide-framed original diaphragms that I had first started on. And I wanted, you know, to be able to blow a call with less air pressure and get more subtle sounds out of it when I wanted to. So I don't even know why trying to, you know, you know using those surgical scissors and trimming that second outside reed, it just, for lack of a better term, it opened the call up and it allowed it to, to be easier to blow. But yet it still retained a real nice, full, three-dimensional tonal quality. I think to me the main advantage with that call versus a single read is you're going to find bugling is that it's going to be more durable so when you're out there in the elk woods you know the call is more likely to last you know a week or a full season for you hammering on it bugling if you're a bugler um, versus just a straight single read which as you know the more you pound on it with bugling you know you're using more tongue pressure so it's stretching the latex more um, it's going to cause a single read to kind of lose its sweet spot, so to speak, quicker, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And you know, <clears throat> I used to um, take those uh, double reads because I wanted the latex all to be one, not like a turkey call where you have read separators and you want that right. The, each each latex to act independently, like on a turkey call, you've got a lot of you know breaking and cutting, and you've got a lot of um, choppiness. Whereas in an alcohol, you want that sweet, you know, uh, that sweet tonal quality. You don't want the call to break. Um, I used to soak, uh, double reeds in, in, you know, Coke or Sprite, pull them out and then let them dry. And that sugar or, or I'm not sure if it was the sugar or the syrup or whatever, stuck those latex together. And I would offer that tip out there to guys. Um, I think I've said it before on other episodes yes. that if you know if you're blowing a double a double reed <clears throat> <you, clears throat> excuse me let me get a little drink here you can actually get those reeds to stick together and ultimately sometimes sound better if they act as one now keep in mind if you do soak it in anything <sighs> it's going to break the latex down right. so you could pull it out of the coke and it there's no I mean it's like cracked yeah. Um, and, and or another thing is to keep chapstick away from the latex because anything that's going to break that latex down is going to change the the sound or change the 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 qualities of that latex, which is ultimately going to give you a different sound. And if you've got a call that's sweet. You know, the last thing you want to be doing is drinking a Coke and then pop that call in because it will ch-
0: change the call. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm guilty of doing that soaking experiment and doing it for too long on several of my mouth reads and actually wrecked some of them by doing that. Um, But again, it was because I left them in too long. I got distracted and I wouldn't even know, Jay, you might know how long to leave them in or maybe not, but but I don't really can't give a guy an exact time on that. Um, I always just um, put them in there,
1: let them soak for a minute or two and then I pull them out. I don't put them back in my mouth. I let them, I put them right on a, on a table and let them just dry with that syrup and sugar on there. And there's no exact science. I've done it with Sprite. I've done it with Coke. I've done it with seven up. I don't drink any, any of or Dr. Pepper. I don't drink those anymore. I haven't drank those in probably 10 years, (laughs) but um it does mess with the latex and I will tell people that if they have a bunch of bench warmer mouth calls that are not good that's one thing you can try is soak them a little bit and see if that changes the dynamics of the latex let them dry and then blow them again and you might have to soak them two or three times but I've resurrected calls that sounded you know weren't even in the you know didn't even make four string and all of a sudden you know two weeks later they're they're my number one call so you, mouth calls can be very finicky. Yeah. Um, Steve, why don't you uh, bl- blow some of your cow calls um, and kind of walk through how you do it. And then, of course, there's an unbelievable sound that I feel like you are the only one that can capture. this. Well, you're not the only one that can capture the sound, but you're the best I've heard capturing uh, that excited you know,
0: estrusy sound. Um, so, why don't you take it away from here? Okay. Yeah, you're right. I've heard some guys, um, like at the calling competition at the RMEF National Calling Competition, breaking that call out. And then there's some guys that are really doing it well. So, I don't think by any means I'm the best person at it anymore. Um, I, I kind of, with with a mouth read, I take two mindsets. Well, the, f- the first thing, let me say, is my mistake in the beginning when I was trying to learn a mouth read. I was, I struggled and I was not a natural at all. And I think my problem was, is I was reading the packaging and the packaging was telling me to say EI or EO or these words into the call. And I think that's a big mistake if you approach it with that mindset of you're trying to say something in the call, because to get the right sound out of it, I don't believe you're saying anything through the call. You're just getting the right tones with your tongue and your, and air pressure is how you, how you're doing it. So, once I got away from trying to say something in the call and realized that it's just about trapping the air getting a good seal between your pallet and the call which people have varying pallet widths so you know you may need to experiment with some different frame widths of calls, you know the tape width um everybody's a little different in that regard. But so what I'm doing I'm bringing air up from my stomach in the same manner as I was blowing the open read calls but but this time instead of using my lips I'm directing that air across a latex on the call with my tongue against the latex so to start out with just by trapping that air and having my tongue lightly against the latex and bringing that air pressure up from my stomach it's gonna sound like this without a call in my mouth it's gonna sound like this and it sounds like I'm saying, like hissing like a snake. That's just the sound that the air is making. But then when I have a diaphragm call in my mouth and I push my tongue up against the latex lightly, it sounds like this. Okay, and again, just like on the open read call, that's the start of the call. And then just by adding a little more tongue pressure to it, you're going to get into that cow call sound. That's just by adding just a tiny bit more tongue pressure, and then you're blowing it in very much the same manner as that open reed call. In other words, on the open reed call, you were using just a little bit firmer lip pressure in the beginning, and then letting off a little bit with you know creating a little less lip pressure to get that nice sliding note that you want. With a mouth reed, it's the same thing with your tongue. You're starting out with just a little firmer tongue pressure on the latex, and then you're just lightening it up ever so slightly at the end to get that nice note. Um, you know, when people talk about cow calls and calf calls and all of that, I'll be honest with you, Jay. I mainly focus on the, just what I call a standard normal mew. I'm not cow calfing, so to speak, so much. Um, you know, if a guy wants to do calf calling, it's more of a shorter, higher pitched. You know, this would be my best rendition of that. Versus cow calling, which is
2: more.
0: It just it lasts a little longer. It's more of a two-note type of call, um, and that's more of what I use out there. And
1: and I want to touch on something you just said. When they say it cow capping, that's a term that. I, <laughs> I don't really like that term because what it's saying is you're using one call to cow calf. You're going cow sound, calf sound. Well, you got to kind of pick it. You got to either be making cow sounds <clears throat> or calf sounds because an elk doesn't stand there and go,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, They're either going, yeah.
1: That's their voice. Exactly. Not saying that someone can't sound like a cow and a calf at the same time. I just, I don't like that term cow calfing. I'm not picking on anybody. So whoever's term it is, it's not like I'm point. I just don't like the Right. I just From cow calling, you want to sound like a signature cow and you're trying to talk to a cow or talk to a bull or talk to a calf. Exactly. You're not trying to you know, you're not trying to make two different animal sounds at the same time. And if you are, that's fine. But I just don't feel like that's a real efficient, effective way to be speaking to a specific animal.
0: Yeah, I think a better term for that rather than cow calfing is chaos calling.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and it is. And you hear it a lot and you hear people doing that. And I think that's a good point Is is, you know, you're trying to make specific sounds and sound like a specific animal. Not, you know, you hear people say, "Well, I, I'm, I'm going to just start cow calfing and try and call in a bull." So, what yeah. does that mean? Are are you just trying to just, like you said, chaos? Just
2: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: just real. To me, cow. that never that never works. Yeah. That that's that's it. For people listening, if you're new, uh, I would forget that one.
0: Yeah, I think and, you're way more, you're better off and more successful by being real, um, what's the word, real thoughtful and diligent about every sound that you make. And right, it, this random. isn't just yeah. willy-nilly, just random.
1: Even though, Steve, you might not be specifically as detailed as is trying to make specific calls like what Chris Rowe, where he, he's he got you know, Assembly Muse and, and uh, Lost Cow Muse yeah. and you know, you, you, you don't necessarily care about naming each call, which neither is right. They're both right. It's just everybody has their own different style. Um, you're more into the sound quality. And what you found is that good tonal quality, like what we talked about in the external read, the same thing with the mouth call, if you can have genuine quality, with your tone that has been more successful having cows and bulls come to you. Correct.
0: Yes, exactly. Then, then and
1: again, calling a specific sequence. Yeah,
0: exactly. And again, it just goes back to my simple approach and simple mindset, you know, the, the caveman approach. Um, and, and I think there's a lot to be said with, with Chris and, and how well he knows the elk language, because I do think it matters, you know, how you sound how frequently you blow the call how loudly or softly you blow the call all of that stuff is very important just like in humans you can say the same thing but mean something completely different just by the inflection and emotion you put into saying something and i believe it's the same way with elk calling so i believe that everything that chris says is very has a lot of credence to it and he really understands that so i think there's a lot to be gained and people could learn a lot from him and then incorporate the quality of quality of sound and, and, and tone quality and sweetness. And I think people would hit it out of the park with that approach. For sure. So you've demonstrated
1: how to cow call, how to first make sounds. Then I want you to demonstrate, or now I want you to demonstrate that sound that is just amazing. <laughs> and, and first how this sound came about, when you started using it, when you knew that it was gonna be a winner. Kind of walk me through that. Okay.
0: Yeah, I first heard this sound, that's probably, gosh, approaching maybe 20 years, because um, you know we're both getting old these days. <laughs> but we are. I'm telling you, Jay, if I hadn't had elk right in front of me, and this, this was actually in Colorado, um, I get the get the good fortune of being there during October for the rifle hunts, and the elk are still extremely vocal and in the rut during that time. But they're in a big herd, and I heard, I, I don't know if it was more than one cow or just one cow doing it, and I've said this before, but it just reminded me of a chimpanzee in a cage just screaming and having a fit. And again, if I hadn't had those elk right in front of me, I wouldn't have believed that it was an elk sound, and I remember going back to to camp that night and telling my dad dad you're not gonna believe this sound that I heard these elk making tonight um and then I sat about set about over the years trying to duplicate the best that I could and I found right away that it was very hard to duplicate on an open reed. there may be some people that can come close but for me I find it's better on a on a mouth diaphragm and I started out Jay using my lips and I would vibrate my lips as I was blowing across the latex and and I kind of use my voice
1: box. I, I kind of use my throat and kind of growl with it a little bit. Yes. That buzz,
0: that buzz. But you, you've you taken it to a whole nother level. Yeah, I started out using my lips, and then I refined it using my vocal cords, like you say, and how you do it. Um, and, and, and I believe that what you have to do when you start out the call is you get it, again, the key is down deep in your stomach with a deep breath to get that right tone. You're kind of... Is a sound that kind of comes out when you've got the right vibration going with your vocal cords, and it's, it's like this. And I'm telling you, when I do it at seminars, people look at me so strangely because it's such a different sound than the normal mew. It's like this. <coughs> And then I can also take it from that and I can remove vibrating my vocal cords and I can push it into a high pitch. And I believe that that is what really, really gets a reaction out of the bulls going not only doing that kind of deep guttural growly sound in cow call and then pushing it into just a high pitch three dimensional sound and it breaks and sounds like this. and it it is very loud and aggressive out there. Just my personality, Jay. It's hard for me to blow a call like that out there in the woods. I, I have to really be in the right mindset because it just goes against my natural tendency. But I tell you, it it sure does work during the rut. Yeah, you know, um, Chris would say that that
1: Chris would argue that that's not necessarily an estrus call. I, I know it's been coined. Chris would say it's a real demanding. Uh, It's a, you know, get over here. I want attention now. Um, But Steve, also, you might argue that you have video of that one cow in 3C doing that exact sound and there's five bulls right on her and breeding her. So, yes, I agree that it is demanding. Yes, I agree that it's like the ultimate form of... I want you here now, right? but I also think when it does come to the actual time of breeding, I think that that sound is very important. So if you blow that call during the peak of the
0: rut, those bulls know what that means. Yeah, and they come in so aggressively, it's almost a little bit intimidating and could be scary to someone that doesn't realize how afraid of an elk, how afraid of a human an elk actually is. How aggressively they come in, they just lose all of their senses and and their and their 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 guard just goes completely down, and they just come charging in, and many times two and three bulls will come in um I agree wholeheartedly that the sound isn't just limited to during the rut. I've heard it you know with um the 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 cow calf nursery groups during the summertime. I've heard cows doing it then. But I think it takes on a whole new meaning when they do it during the rut. And I think the intensity level changes as well. Just like if you hear a bull bugle in July and then you hear him bugle September 25th. It's different. Um, And like you said, when I got that cow in uh, 3C in Arizona, on video doing that, I was flabbergasted that I finally had that opportunity to video her. She walked up to within 10, 12 yards of me. And was doing it, looking right into the camera, like this is what you've been wanting all along. Here you go, scream! And she was by herself. There was a bull with cows that I was trying to get on and take a look at. And then there was a satellite bull that was down in the drainage below her. So she was initially all by herself. Well, that satellite bull just comes charging uphill, up up that drainage toward her, gets right up there within view. I'm video, and and then the herd bull leaves his cows. And comes in, and him and that satellite bull fight and tussle over this cow, and ultimately, the, after a couple lockups and and such, and they fight, the the herd bull pushes the satellite bull off and rounds up that cow that was making that sound and and pushes her in with his harem. So, to me, that was pretty dramatic proof that that sound is is very different and very meaningful to a bull, even a herd bull with cows. He completely abandoned his cows and came over to that to that cow, making that sound.
1: For sure, and when you're in Colorado at your place there um,
0: that you guys haunt uh, on on your dad's there, do you hear that a lot? I I, I now hear it every year because my my mind is tuned into it but you don't really have to be necessarily tuned into it because when you hear it there's no mistaking it and if someone out there hasn't heard that that sound yet just like a bull glunking I promise when you hear a bull glunk or when you hear this you know what we call the estrus scream for lack of a better term uh, you know or the growly cow call you're gonna know when you hear it you're gonna say yep that's the sound that Steve and Jay were talking about on the podcast right there
1: yeah and and you know Everyone gets so caught up on naming the certain calls and and all of that. And I try not to get caught up. What we try and do, though, is as humans try and name those calls so we can identify to say, I'm using the estrus scream. Yes. You know, I think Will Primos is the one that, 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 you know, when you showed him the footage, he said, that's the chapel scream or the estrus scream. Well... You know, some may say it's demanding, some may say, you know, whatever you call it, I don't really care. I can just tell you that if, you know, I don't know that I would use that on the 27th of August, but you come about the 18th or 20th or 25th of September in in most elk woods and you've got a little bit of activity and you blow that throaty, uh, growly, uh, estrus, you know, chapel scream, whatever you want to call it, you're probably going to get some bulls come over and, and give you a look.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you're exactly right. We can get caught up in arguing of what, what it's called. And the bottom line is what is the sound and how do we reproduce it? It's, right. It's just, and yeah, I'm one that I, I sometimes I put my foot in my
1: mouth and I, you know, I, I, I put my foot in my mouth and I offend people and I never try to. My whole goal with this is just to learn for myself and to help others, you know, become better callers. And one thing I can tell you is this sound, you know, I've been doing a little buzz sound, not to any extreme of what I just heard you doing, Steve. I feel like you take it to a whole nother level of, of perfect uh realism i've been doing that little buzz sometimes periodically with my cow calling and i can tell you it adds realism right but then when you can take that buzz and that growly and hit that high and i'm going to have you demonstrate here one more time and hit that high note to me that's like the ultimate sound of a cow saying i don't care what you're doing over there I want you here right now. Just like if our wives were to use a tone, there's a certain tone that they can use that we know that, you know, there is something going on that whatever we're doing in the other room, we've ignored her for three minutes, but we hear a tone. We immediately drop what we're doing and we go over there. And that's what I feel like this call that you're blowing is.